Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's episode 540. We've got a great guest here. We've got Ian Reynolds of Zip. Um, Zip Take, I think, that's how you pronounce it. I'm sure you'll correct me. Uh, we haven't got my co-host, Stephen. He's had to go and deal with a major business emergency, but he he will be back next week. Um, that's if he's dealt with his emergency. <laughs> I think he's probably up to it, isn't he, listeners and viewers? So, Ian, would you like to quick give us a quick 30-second intro about yourself and your company? Yeah, great. And great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, my background is uh, very much helped with startups for a long period of time or a short period of time. I've launched a gate different products or market, went into traditional consulting role after getting the MBA, did that for four or five years, I had the opportunity to work on both that sort of enterprise software side and then ultimately on the uh, transactional finance side. And, uh, did several billion in, in transactions. It was, it was a lot of fun. Felt like I saw everything and uh, wanted to get back into software. And uh, so 2017 had the opportunity to acquire half of ZipTech and uh, continue to improve upon the 10 years of growth that the company has had. And uh, so we've, we've sort of professionalized certain components of what we're doing and uh, we're spending much more money on R&D and training. And uh, our company, uh, like so many others in the software development arena, serves other firms that don't necessarily have a uh, engineering team in-house or they don't have enough bandwidth or a technical capability in-house. We're about 100 employees, uh, about, 100, about 50 contractors on top of that. And uh, we have been, we've served clients all the way from Google and Adobe to, uh, you know, really small uh, startups where somebody has an idea. Uh, literally, we've had people present us sort of napkin ideas uh, that we've, that we've turned into fully, fully blown uh, products. So, Wow. Um, in, in a nutshell, we are a full-service software development firm. Uh, we just do software engineering. We really don't do anything else. That's great. Right. So we're in this, um, we're going to be discussing what um, Ian sees as, as the hottest technologies, which technologies he sees, them, he thinks they're going to have a consistent growing demand over the next year, 18 months. And then we're going to also discuss his experiences of dealing with non-technical founders, what you should know about if you engage a company as a as a founder or if you're a developer and you're you're needing the assistance of a company like Ian's. Should be a fantastic discussion. But before we go into the main part, I want to talk about one of our main sponsors, and that's Kinster Hosting. Kinster's been sponsoring the, the show now for over two years now. They're a great premium WordPress hosting specialist. If you've got a WooCommerce website, if you've got a learning management system website, CallSpace website, you're going to need better hosting than your average hosting provider. These, these are more like applications than websites, and they need more power, more assistance, more knowledge. And that's what you get from Kinster. So if that sounds interesting, go over to Kinster, have a look at their plans. I suggest you should buy one for yourself or for your clients. And the main thing is when you do buy, is please tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So Ian, 
So let's start off with um, what do you what are some of the technologies that have come up in the next the last couple of years or the last year that you think there's still a, um, that get you excited and also you think there's a lot of gro- uh, growth in the next year and eighteen months around them. Right. I, I you know I think actually uh, the thing that's going to continue uh, quite aggressively is the use of. Uh, really sophisticated JavaScript on the front end through a, a JavaScript framework like Angular or uh, React. And there are a ton, a ton, a ton of websites that are really simple HTML, CSS that you use for uh, many, many things. Uh, shopping, let's say you're updating your phone bill, you're updating these things. A lot of these technologies, especially for these enterprise firms, haven't really moved yet into making use of uh, you know, sort of these these frameworks, these JavaScript frameworks. And they're going to be, the changes are going to be small and incremental, but if you consider in aggregate what those changes are going to do to your engineering landscape and to uh, what your interactions are going to be with uh, most everyday websites, um, it's actually going to be a, a pretty crazy performance increase uh, insofar as uh, you're going to have a lot of things that are going to be what are called modularized, right? So where I'm only loading a certain component of the website or only loading a certain component of the application to get refresh data rather than reload the whole application or whole web page and get that information that is updated served back to me. Um, so I think I think we're going to see greater adoption of those technologies. Uh, the, the you know the web is just so expansive that uh, you know it takes a long time to sort of sleuth things through the pipes, so to speak. But uh, there's been no, even through the downturn, there has been no let up in demand for uh, sort of migration to these these types of tools. Right. And um, th- that's interesting that you touch that because that, that's been, uh, for the past couple of years, that's been an ongoing theme in the WordPress world because um, the, the, um, the main team behind W. Um, WordPress, which is automatic, and its founder Matt Moeg, um, he's publicly and he's been pushing through the page builder, which is Gutenberg, is that a lot more, a lot more of WordPress is going to be based on React mm-hmm. and a lot less on traditional PHP. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of these frameworks, you mentioned a couple. Um, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of some of these frameworks based on your experience, Ian? Yeah, so broadly speaking, there's kind of three big JavaScript frameworks. All right, so let's go through each of those. So there's React, like you mentioned, there's Angular, and then there is Vue.js. So Angular is put out by Google, and the structural advantage to Angular is that uh, it is uh, sort of an opinionated framework. There's kind of a right way and a wrong way to do things. Uh, there's a little bit more structure that's required and, and kind of pushed by Google in terms of how they want you to uh, broadly construct your Angular application. Um, it is actually a little bit slower than some of the other technologies. It's not as uh, um, heavy-handed. And it initially came out as sort of a design framework, and then people started using it for uh, much heavier lifting. And so you have that Angular 1, uh, and then Google quickly realized, like, oh, we got to rewrite this thing. Uh, and uh, put out Angular 2. So there's radically different versions between everything after Angular 2, or sorry, everything after Angular 1 um, and uh, Angular 1. So there's still a lot of applications actually on Angular 1 because it's really, really popular when it came out. Uh, But Angular 2 is really kind of more in line with what the traditional framework is. 
that's that's Angular, and uh, you know it's not going anywhere. Google's not going anywhere, uh, and it would be appropriate technology to use. Um, and but again, there's kind of a, a more formal structure, and it's typically used in bigger applications. Then there's React, uh, which is actually more popular than Angular. React is put up by Facebook, and uh, as you said, WordPress is going to make use of it. And structurally, one of the advantages of React is it's more appropriate for things like WordPress, where maybe you have a couple pages here and there. It's much faster, actually, on a, on a performance basis than uh, Angular, but it is not uh, as opinionated, meaning there's many ways to skin the proverbial cat, and there's not really a right way, so to speak, uh, to use things. And um, the result is that you have kind of many flavors and kind of many approaches to solving the same problem. Uh, if you have a much larger technology you have to kind of internally, so to speak, write the rules for how you're going to do things. So everybody's on the same page uh, and you're not writing over each other. Um, but but really, you know, they'd be, React and Angular would be comparable and would be appropriate for uh, any large scale application. Then there is Vue.js. Vue.js was yes. uh, started by uh, an engineer who either formerly worked for either Facebook or Google or... It's Facebook. got very... I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's... A, it's um, I don't know too much about it, so I'm really interested to see what you're going to say about it. But I was going to say that there's some really um, big names in the WordPress community that are respected that were really pushing that library and they really mm-hmm. liked it. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, you're, you're, you're right. And so... Uh, one last thing about React is that React, again, is, is a little bit faster, and it's it's uh, especially so for uh, sort of simple, very simple uh, websites. Um, and I, I think that's why you see so much more adoption, because it is just better and quicker for really, really simple websites. So, so you're going to see sort of disproportionate adoption uh, in terms of it's going to be React, then Angular, then Vue. Vue has a, a very loyal base. Uh, it's open source, and it's an independent uh, person that is a group that is sort of supporting and maintaining that as opposed to uh, a large entity like Google and, um, uh, you know, Facebook. And it has a lot of advantages. Uh, I would say the biggest disadvantage you have of VU is that total user adoption of VU is very small relative to Angular or um, React. Uh, it's just It's just, you know, uh, a tenth or say, you know, I don't know if that's an accurate statistic, but it seems about that, about a tenth of the adoption of each one of those relative technologies. So uh, while the community is very involved uh, and, um, you know, it, it's it's very, very sort of stylistically uh, can be used for a lot of visual uh, uh, clean applications. It's very lightweight um, just from a simple adoption standpoint. There's not as many people using it. And so it may be harder to find uh, certain libraries and, and certain things like that, but but it's a very simple, very practical, uh, structural way of using JavaScript on the front end. Now, over the past five years, you know, or longer, really, time flies, really, doesn't? Especially in the technology area, we had this constant battle between: Do I need an app that works on uh, iOS and Android, or? Um, do I invest more in the website? I'm talking about medium to larger companies. Um, I sense that the, um, I think the app was the in fin for a few years. You know, you mu- we must have an app. We must, must, must. I-, I sense over the past 18 months, two years, that's dying down to some extent. Mm-hmm. And the love affair with apps 
has died a bit and people are refocusing on their on their web properties and the web in general. Am I talking a load of rubbish or would you agree there? No, I, I'd agree with you. So I, I, th- I think you're right. There's a bit of there's a bit of market saturation in terms of apps, right? So there's, you know, four or five million apps on the app store or something, silly number. So getting visibility uh, in terms of your application relative to your competition, it's not a way to get any sort of marketing lead anymore. Whereas several years ago, because there wasn't as there weren't as many applications, uh, I could basically put out an app and get a little more visibility to my company and, and these sorts of things. Um, and uh, it, people assumed that there was this new practical use case for things, whereas, uh, you know, not necessarily true. So now there are technologies like progressive web applications where I can build a web app and make it so it's downloadable on my phone without even going through the app store uh, and uh, effectively get all of the features that I would have uh, by downloading the app through the app store if I just visit the website on my mobile device uh, via the browser. So um, it's not as necessary to build a, a core app, I think, for, for most most companies uh, and have that, on, have that on their site. Now, that being said, I do think that there are still apps that are coming to market. There, are, I know for a fact, as a result of what my company does, that there are still apps coming to market that are uh, really uh, intuitive. They they add a tremendous amount of value. They are um, very much uh, sort of groundbreaking and, and, and uh, revolutionary in what they're doing. Uh, but I would say that the um, fever pitch, so to speak, for apps is, is has died down a little bit, right? So oftentimes when we're building something new, we're building a core web application, and then we are pairing that with a mobile app. Uh, and the mobile app is typically uh, the second or third consideration in what it is that we're building. Um, and I would say, generally speaking, too, that because of some of the frameworks that you're able to use when building a web application, you're able to build something that lets you uh, have it be pretty mobile responsive out of the gate. Yeah, that's, um, I'm enjoying this conversation. We're having a real tech piece there. Uh, um, something else that, um, before, um, or we, yeah, let's ask this question and then we go for a break. It's amazing the time goes quick. Um, I've also been aware, you know, it's always been really important, but I sense in my own consciousness and dealing with clients, um, we, we specialise in helping entrepreneurs and large organisations with online training and building learning management systems in that that's our speciality. Um, but I've noticed that UX design has become more and more important. Um, it's something, and in some ways WordPress, the actual back-end interface and how it integrates with pl- major plugins, um, there's murmurings and um I have a lot of contacts with a lot of plugin developers and they're very dissatisfied with the UX or how it's become a bit old fashioned. Um, what's your, what's your own feelings about UX design? How important is it in the bigger picture basically? Yeah, I, I think that there's a bit of a problem with UI UX in that it is often an afterthought, whereas it should be uh, in many respects sort of the first thing that you think about because uh, if I am designing something, so here I'll give you an example. We have a we have a client who's got a old application built in the 80s uh, and um, they need to rewrite it. And it has 
say something like 4,000 screens, four or 5,000 screens in this application. It's huge. And the reality is that if we were going to rewrite that, we could probably get it down to, uh, you know, less than a couple hundred with proper UI UX because you're not reloading every single component of the application or going to 100% a new screen. It's just reloading an element of that screen. And they want to just start doing engineering immediately. And we're saying, well, we've got to know what we're building first. Otherwise, we're going to be changing things. And that those changes are going to add to the time. They're going to add to the cost. And then we are not going to be able to accomplish your objectives of rebuilding this thing, keeping your capital preserved, uh, and, and being efficient. And so uh, I think that there is a tendency to uh, just sort of uh, push UI, UX yeah. off to the side, not think about it. But mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of the day, uh, what you're building is actually a device that's going to interface with human beings. And so you have to think about the design piece first in many respects. Yeah, it's the same thing with usability. Um, it's still frustrating that they are in the WordPress world. They aren't, they aren't tools that can help more effectively with with usability at an earlier stage. It's still, and actually using React um, a lot of because um, I'm not no longer a front end developer. I'm I'm just the principal of the agency, but I don't actively develop anymore. But um, I know a lot of people are very frustrated because actually um, WordPress going down the React they feel has made and going down Gutenberg, which is the front end of this movement going down the React has made usability even worse. Mm-hmm. Is, is usability, con- you know, because obviously you're dealing with medium to large companies, does the question of usability also come up, you know, for people that are suffering from visual and other disabilities? You know, obviously you're also facing an older population. But I'm going to leave that question in your mind and we're going to go for our break and we'll be back in a few moments. See you soon, folks. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WPTonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WPTonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WPTonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. We've had a feast of geekiness. (laughs) Uh, Ian seems up to it. He's not shocked by any of my ridiculously broad questions yet. I'm sorry, Ian, I'm notorious for it. That's why I have a co-host to keep me under control. But unfortunately, he's done a runner. No, he's actually dealing with an urgent problem. Um, So before you answer my question in the first half, I want to mention one of our other great sponsors, and that's Groundhog. Now, if you're looking for a native CRM system, that's something that does something like Active campaign or drip. There's a lot of external SaaS-based CRMs out there, but you're looking for a native solution, which definitely has strengths and benefits. Um, 
there wasn't much to choose from. And then Groundhog came on the scene over a year ago. And obviously the founder of Groundhog, Adrian, has been a co-host of mine. But unfortunately he had to leave because he's been busy upgrading his own platform. But it's a superb product. Now, um, I suggest that you should really look at it because you, there's substantial savings, monthly savings for yourself or for your clients by going to a native solution. So go over to Groundhog, have a look at what they've got to offer. I suggest that you should buy one of their packages to try it out yourself or buy it for your clients. And the main thing is tell them that you heard about Groundhog on the WP Tonic Show. So, Ian, I gave you a massive question before the break. Would you like to delve into that? Yeah, let's jump in. So the question was broadly, you know, what do you do if you're a large application where you're, you know you need to move towards a technology and then uh, you're harming the user experience or the usability of the application? I think in WordPress's case, they are, I mean, the technology has been around forever. I, I saw some statistic where, you know, WordPress accounts for anywhere from 60 to 70% of the web. And it makes sense. It's a, it's a powerful user interface, powerful CMS. We've done work in WordPress uh, and uh, we, we've used it. We understand uh, the value it can bring, especially out of the box. And the challenge they face is that, as I stated previously, that some of these technologies are so powerful and so efficient and uh, uh, ultimately a much better user experience um, that they have so many, cu- and they have so many customers using WordPress that they couldn't just, you know, sort of rip the rip the pull cord on the on the parachute, so to speak, and uh, switch everybody over because it would, it would just break too many things. So, likely, they are forced into small incremental changes that they have to push onto the user base, which create lots of pain at a large scale uh, over a small period of time, and uh, they can't just, as I said, sort of pull the rip cord. Um, so I think that those changes are going to come. Uh, the, the challenge I think that folks at WordPress have is how to go faster as yeah. it relates to implementing those changes. Yeah, I think you're spot uh, on there, Ian. Very insightful. Yeah, yeah. right. How do, I, how do we do this quickly and uh, uh, rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak? Um, and, uh, and then for companies using WordPress, it really is, okay, well, how do I understand that these changes are coming? Uh, and then, you know, structure as I sort of planned the redevelopment and adjustments uh, to my website, my marketing efforts, knowing these changes are coming. So I'm not uh, too far ahead of the curve or too far behind it. And um, for the, the, you know, the simple answer in our, uh, in our business is in most cases, people are just rewriting things from scratch because it's faster to just rewrite fully and then just migrate all the users over and just say, we're going to do some training. Here you go. Uh, because of the performance differences you're going to get between legacy software versus what you get out of some of these new new applications. But I think for most people, especially folks using WordPress and these things, I don't know that they're going to have that luxury of just doing a full rewrite and going to one of these other web applications. So there were some big um, voices in the WordPress community that were saying that's what should be done. It was the opportunity to rewrite the database, how that was structured, do a, a really fundamental over overall uh, modernization of the whole platform and take that opportunity and break backward compatibility saying that you're going to support the old system and give a roadmap but saying that this is the new system and other open source um 
website development platforms have chosen that path. Like I think mm-hmm. Drupal have uh, chosen that and maybe Expression Engine to some extent, um, which isn't, not, it's a hybrid, isn't it? Um, so um, hopefully you're going to stay on for some bonus content um, and then we can go back to the technical feast that we've just had. But let's move on to your experiences of working with um, decision makers that don't have the kind of technical knowledge that you so clearly ever shown in your answering of my very vague questions. Uh, um, so what are some of your experiences and some of the tips and insights that you might be able to give to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, I think I think the vast majority of companies going forward that are going to get created are going to be tech-enabled companies, meaning they're going to have some component of technology, be it your website, be it uh, you know an online store, uh, be it maybe a mobile app or, or something in that effect. And we've run into a lot of people who, for obvious reasons, they have skill sets elsewhere and they they double, triple down on those skill sets, uh, but they do need to make use of technology to help their business be better. And the, the problem that I think a lot of entrepreneurs face, a lot of business owners face, is that they need to make sure that they're not getting ripped off or they're not going to get in trouble or something is not going to break and they're not going to be able to figure out who they know to uh, um, or, or be able to pull a resource to fix things. And this simple analogy that we use internally, because uh, the technology landscape is, is huge. I mean, we have, again, 150 people that are basically on staff and it, uh, you know, it's, it, we don't know everything. I mean, we, we, we know a lot of stuff, but we don't know everything. And, the way we solve for that is we take a really simple approach where we say, well, what is the biggest and best technology? Okay. Well, for, for CMS, it's WordPress, right? Hands down. Okay. Well, what is the biggest and best technology in this other thing? What is not going to go away? What is not going to change? Mm -hmm. So we encourage business owners to get familiar with the large technologies and just put aside some of these things on the periphery, because ultimately what you need as a business owner is stability what you need is not things that are necessarily going to be rapidly changed unless you're trying to innovate. Uh, you, you're, you're really focused on things that are going to work for you over a long period of time. Uh, and we just push this idea of like, look, when you're building software, when you're buying software, think like you're acquiring a fleet of Toyotas. You need to put 300,000 miles on those cars. Uh, you need to be able to take them to any mechanic you need to uh, be able to make sure that, you know, you don't have specialist parts. You got to wait if the factory in Germany goes down. Uh, you know, you don't have to replace that auxiliary fan that's going to cost you $800. Uh, you need to be nimble. And now that doesn't apply to 100% of every case, but taking that sort of thinking, taking this sort of mentality and then applying it to your software acquisition, your, your software development processes, ultimately results in uh, a solution that's a little bit more maintainable. Uh, and not so hard to get your arms around as a business business owner. Yeah, it, it's the um, yeah. I totally agree with you. It, it's a balancing. You know, just don't go with the most the most popular next great thing, and you know, just kind of always be moving and changing. You know, you want a more stable attitude about this and a plan. So. Um, so do you kind of white do a lot of white labouring, white label work? Because basically at the, 
the people that listen into this podcast, they're either freelancers, agency owners, marketing professionals. We have a very diverse and growing, I like to say, growing audience where our audience figures have grown quite substantially recently. So do you do any kind of white labouring work with people? We do. We, we have folks who come to us and, uh, you know, they have a core application or a core app or uh, they're providing maybe services on behalf of someone else and they need us uh, to, to back in them uh, because they need a, a deeper team, a, a bigger team. Mm. Um, and we, we sort of serve as their team. So um, we've done that for actually a number of enterprise firms as well, where uh, in many cases where you think you're talking to uh, some very large Fortune 500s, you're actually talking to us as it relates to some of these technical solutions. Um, and and uh, that's that's structurally sort of sort of who we are. We like we like solving very, very complex challenges and making them simple. And that's that's really sort of our bread and butter. That's fantastic. So what's the best way to learn more about you and the company, really? And hopefully you're going to stay on for some bonus content, maybe 10, 15 minutes, because I like to go back into our into our techie dive that we had in the first half. You, you bet. You bet. So uh, the best way to get a hold of us, just go to ZipTech.com and uh, check, out, check out our About page, check out our Process page, see how we work and see how we think about delivering solutions for our clients. Uh, we have a ton of free content on our blog that's very in-depth, uh, very, very thoughtful, um, gets thousands and thousands of views, et cetera, uh, on a daily basis. Uh, and then uh, if you want to reach out, hello at zibtech.com is uh, probably the best way to reach me, and I respond to those. And, and uh, that's uh, there's also, also always our, our contact uh, form if you want to speak to sales. That's great. Well, thanks, Ian. Uh, it's the half hour just kind of blew away, did it? it kind right, of right. He's, he's going to stay on for some bonus content. Um, you'll be able to see the whole interview plus the bonus content on our YouTube channel, which is WP Tonic. So go over to YouTube and subscribe to that. There's, um, there's a number of tutorials, interviews with experts like Ian on the channel. So subscribe to that. If you also really want to support the show, give us a review on iTunes. It's a little bit painful to do it but it does really help the show and it helps me get fantastic guests like Ian on the show which I've enjoyed the discussion so far there's nothing like a good technology beast um we'll be back next week with my co-host hopefully and another great expert like Ian we'll see you soon folks bye Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 